When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the Elevate Your Leadership podcast is brought to you in part by iFly Virginia Beach Indoor Skydiving. At iFly Virginia Beach, we bring people together through the dream of flight. To learn more about our leadership development and team building, visit iFlyVirginiaBeach.com. Welcome to the Elevate Your Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Bob Pizzini. This podcast will enable you to immediately advance your ability to lead others and yourself. As a 26-year U.S. Navy Special Operations veteran and as the owner of a multi-million dollar business, I discuss issues that I know you face daily because I also face them. We tackle leadership challenges head on. Leadership is a perishable skill. Use it or lose it. Lifelong leadership requires lifelong learning and a commitment to health, fitness, and intentional wellness. Join me, along with entrepreneurs, industry executives, academics, public figures, and other highly successful professionals who share their formula for success with you. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Elevate Your Leadership with me, your host, Bob Pizzini. I'd love to have discussions with people who not only bring great value to me and my business and my organization, but who I know are going to bring great value to you and your business and your organization. And today's guest is no exception. Michelle Seiler Tucker, who has authored a book called Exit Rich, amongst the many other things she has accomplished in her life, is my guest today. Michelle's bio, briefly. Michelle Seiler Tucker is the founder and CEO of Seiler Tucker Incorporated. She holds the M and AMI, that's Mergers and Acquisitions Master Intermediary title, as well as Certified Mergers and Acquisitions Professional and Certified Senior Business Analyst. Michelle also owns many other businesses in several different industries. As a 20-year veteran in the M&A industry, she is regarded as the leading authority on buying, selling, fixing, and growing businesses. And her firm have sold over 1,000 businesses in almost every vertical and have a remarkable track record of success. It is a pleasure to have you on the Elevate Your Leadership podcast. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks, Bob. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me on. I'm three quarters of the way through your book. I'm not quite finished with it yet. It's, it's almost as if your book was written specifically for me in my business, because as <laughs> I go through your health assessment and as I go, even looking at your personal history and how you got to where you are, the similarities are striking. So in full disclosure, we have not really met before and we haven't transacted business before. It's really a pleasure. It's really cool. What was the energy behind the book? Why write it? That's my third book I've written. The main reason I wrote it is because what Steve Forbes says is true. And most business owners don't realize this is that 80% of businesses on the market will never sell 80%. 
That should be a huge wake-up call for business owners because that means you have less than a 20% chance of success. So I wrote it for that reason. The other reason I wrote Exit Rich is when I wrote my very first book, Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth in 2013, I did the research and learned back then that 90, 95% of all startups would go out of business. Startups are at the greatest risk, especially within those one to five years. But then when I was doing the research for Exit Rich, I was flabbergasted to learn that the business landscape has actually flip-flopped. It's changed dramatically. Startups are not at great risk anymore. Only 30% of startups will go out of business. However, its existing businesses are at at huge risk. If you look at 27.6 million companies, those businesses that have been in business for 10 years or longer, 70% of those businesses will go out of business. 70%. So all you those have numbers. I'm sorry, are all those numbers pre-COVID? Yes, these are all pre-COVID numbers. So 70% of businesses out of uh, out of you know 27.6 million companies are going out of business after being in business for 10 years pre-COVID. You add COVID into that, it's going to be more like 80% or even higher. And you hear about the big box public companies, you know, in the media all the time. Like you hear, hear about Toys R Us and business 75 years goes out of business. Kmart, Steinmark, Montgomery Ward, GNC is closing down 900 locations. Disney stores are closing. Godiva Chocolate's closing down 1,500 locations. But guess what the media doesn't talk about? They don't talk about private businesses. The media only talks about public companies. These private businesses are exiting poor. They're not exiting rich. They're exiting poor. They're selling for pennies on a dollar. They're closing their companies. Even worse, they're filing bankruptcy. And that's why I wrote Exit Rich to educate business owners, to educate entrepreneurs about the business landscape, about the fact that 80% of businesses will never sell. And if you've been in business over 10 years or longer, you have a 70% chance of going out of business. Very interesting points to say the least. Why is it that 80% of businesses on the market will not sell? There's many reasons. One of the biggest reasons is because business owners think of their business as their baby. They never plan for their exit. They never think about selling. They don't think about selling until a catastrophic event occurs, internal or external. Internal is health issues, partners disputes, divorce, death, burnout. The business is not doing well. External is this pandemic we've been in. The last space that you want to sell your business in is when a business is not doing well during a catastrophe. You never want to sell your business when a catastrophic event occurs because the business is turning down and not doing well. You want to sell your business when it's in its prime and at the top of its game. And business owners don't do that. So business owners want to sell their business because a catastrophic event occurs. Then they want as much money as they possibly can get for it. And they base their value on what they need versus what their business is actually worth. So they'll come to me and say, Michelle, Michelle, I need $10 million. When their EBITDA is maybe 100000 <laughs> And I'm like, you're not going to get anywhere close to $10 million. Why, do you need, why, why $10 million? How'd you come up with that number? And it's always, well, that's what I need to retire on. That's what I need to send five girls to college. That's what I need to buy another business. And buyers, business owners haven't really built a business that buyers want to buy. Most business owners have created a glorified job that they go to work at every day versus a business that actually works for them. You know, and that sounds like a leadership problem to me. Again, this is the Elevate Your Leadership podcast and good business owners, at least in my experience, are good leaders, are very good leaders, very solid leaders. What do you see there in terms of leadership? I love my entrepreneurs. I'm an entrepreneur. That doesn't always mean we're the best leaders. (laughs) 
And even if entrepreneurs are good leaders, or, or if you happen to be a good leader and an entrepreneur, most entrepreneurs are working in their business, not on their business. And when you're working in your business in the day-to-day operations and in a tactical, you're not really leading your team. So I find that most entrepreneurs are, like I said, working in their business, not on their business, and they're not really hiring the right people and putting them in the right seats. And they've kind of lost their vision and they just are stuck in the tactical and the transactional and they get away from the transformational and they're really not leading their teams. That's why their business is stuck. Yeah. <clears throat> and I've, I've seen that as well. And, you know, it's been my experience that a focus on leadership at all levels. I mean, not just the business owner or the entrepreneur, but they have to develop leaders uh, amongst the other people on their team, the employees on their team. I know you told me a story about uh, how you were working with one of Donald Trump's advisors and mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the moral of the story was surround yourself with good people. Can you uh, kind of share that with us a little bit? Sure. Yeah. I, well, I've spoken on stage with um, Eric Trump a few times, a many, several times, actually, and met George Ross, who was Donald Trump's attorney, you know, went to dinner with him, actually was on a tour bus with him, seeing all of uh, Mr. Trump's buildings. <laughs> and George said, you know, Michelle, Donald keeps saying he's the art of the deal. And he is. But these deals don't happen without me. <laughs> You know, George Ross is there to legalize everything (laughs) to make sure the deals that Donald Trump negotiates are legal. So I always say entrepreneurs need to focus on their strengths, hire their weaknesses, surround yourself with people smarter than you. And that that goes to the first of your six P's, right? So part of your magic formula is the six P's. And and I'll I'll let you go ahead and discuss that. But again, this really resonated with me. Can, Can you start with the first one, people? Sure. So let's back up just a little bit. Um, the reason that I have the six P's is because, you know, we've sold hundreds of businesses, actually over a thousand, and pretty much every vertical you can imagine. And the problems are always the same. You know, everybody's like, well, in my industry, <laughs> you know, and it doesn't matter what your industry is. The problems are really the same. Amen. Every business owner has to build a foundation. They have to build the infrastructure. Just like if you're going to build a house, you know, what does a contractor do? The first thing they do is they dig really deep, right? They put on all the plumbing, all the electrical, everything that they need to, to put in and they pour the foundation. And if you don't have a really strong foundation, the first wind that comes by is going to knock your house down. Same thing with a business. The first hurricane, tornado, earthquake, pandemic, you know, that comes by is going to, to knock down your business. So you want to make sure you build a solid infrastructure. Now, again, I've been doing this over 20 years and I have never found a business that, have, that actually operates on all six cylinders. They might operate on three or four or five. But I've never found one that operates on all six. They're always missing one or two. The first P is people. And the reason why I put people first is because nothing really gets done without people. That's a fact. That's a fact. You don't build. The more people you have, the more you need them. Right. And you don't really build a business. You build people and people build a business. For sure. That's leadership. You have to have people. And the problem with business owners. So many businesses are not sellable. Let's go back to that 80%. So many businesses are not sellable because the business is a thousand percent dependent upon that owner. I'll give you a quick example. I had a dentist that wanted to sell three dental hygienists, been in business 50 years, no other dentist. 
And I said, look, I can sell your company, but I'm not going to be able to maximize value because you are the business and his three dental hygienists are his daughters. And I said, I'll bring you offers, but they're going to have contingencies to mitigate the buyer's risk. And those contingencies will, will be contingent upon you and your daughter staying. He said, well, honey, we're not staying. I said, well, honey, you're not selling. There's nothing to sell then. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing to sell because the time, you know, the minute they, he leaves, his daughters leave, there is no business. So people's number one, entrepreneurs, again, have to focus on their strengths, hire their weaknesses. Entrepreneurs need to work on their business, not in it, put the right people in the right seats. Now, this sounds easy, but this is, can be very difficult because a lot of times, have you ever seen a business where you're like, oh, well, they got good people, but they're just not working well. It's and it's leadership. because we're trying to, well, it's leadership. And it's also trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, this person's really good. Good. You know, this person's so good. They can also do this and this and this. Maybe not. Maybe they can't do this and this and this. So you really got to identify what are those positions? What are the characteristics you're looking for? What are you trying to accomplish? Mm-hmm. You know, and really look at that and make sure you get the right people in the right seats and ask the who question, you know, and the who question is like, who opens the doors? Who answers the phones? Who mm-hmm. handles customer service? Who handles legal, accounting, banking? Who handles manufacturing, logistics? Quality control, you know, it goes on and on and on and on. The clue here, Bob, is you never put you next to the who. For sure. Because you want the business to run without you. For sure. I just a couple quick uh, comments there because you, you hit things that cross my radar on a daily basis. Number one, the people when it comes to hiring, moral and ethical character is what we look to hire for. If you have people who are trustworthy and dependable, the the more likely it is they can take on more tasks and complex Mm -hmm. tasks. And if they can't, you just task them to the level that's appropriate for them. But that's, that's significant. Moral and ethical character, I'll take that over talent any day. The other thing is, I love your discussion about the foundation. Because when I talk about leadership in, in the Elevate Your Leadership Experience, my, my webinar, my live event, I talk about being a leader is like being a skyscraper. It, it's <laughs> very visible because everybody sees you and everybody's looking at you all the time. And if you don't have a foundation that's very deep and very wide, you're going to topple eventually. That foundation goes largely unseen, but there has to be a deep and a wide foundation. And it's pretty cool. You and I are kind of saying the same thing there, you know, looking at it through different lenses, but saying the same thing. Please continue. Sure. So, well, leadership is everything. I mean, leadership is going to make or break the company, right? Having the right people in the seats is going to make or break the company. Yeah. Uh, so the next P is product. Now, remember when we talked about 80, 70% of businesses going out of business, I've been in business over 10 years. Uh-huh. Well, here's the reason why. <laughs> the number one reason why businesses go out of business is because lack of aim. Aim is A-I-M. Always innovate and market. Business owners stop innovating. Business owners stop marketing. And you cannot stop innovating. You're either growing or dying, right? Yep. yep There's really no in between. But but <clears throat> Toys R Us did nothing different in 75 years. Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy Netflix twice, sat back and did nothing. So the second P is your product, your service, your industry. And you have to ask yourself, is my product, my service, and my industry on the way up or on the way out? Do I have an Amazon? And if you have a, your, if you have an Amazon, that's you're in your prime. You need to sell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because somebody's oh. looking to knock you off the top of the mountain. Well, and, and well, no, 
only that, but look, nothing lasts forever. You really want to sell when you're in your prime. You want to sell when you're at the top. You mm -hmm. don't want to sell when the business starts to deteriorate because then it's not sellable. Or do you have a blockbuster and you're about to go out of business? A lot of business owners have blockbusters, you know, not necessarily that their industry are dying, but that they're not being creative. They're not innovating. And I always, I always, you know, ask my clients these three questions because these are transformational questions. A lot of times business owners really got to get out of the transactional and become transformational. Amazon did this in the 90s. They asked themselves, what business are we in? So all of your listeners right now should stop and ask themselves, what business are you in? Mm -hmm. That's number one. What business are you in? Number two, what do you do better than everybody else? What's your secret sauce? What's your USP, your unique selling proposition? Amazon said, we do fulfillment better than everybody else. The third question, the most obvious question is, what business should you be in? And Amazon said, oh, we should be in a fulfillment business, fulfilling product, fulfilling orders for everyone that creates products, not just books. Those three easy transformational questions really transformed Amazon from a small book fulfillment center to the multi-billion dollar worldwide conglomerate that they are today. So we have people, we have product, processes. And have, I know you're big in processes, Bob. We have processes. Well, we do. I mean, uh, being a, a military person for 26 years, Navy Special Operations, we have we have checklists and process and standard operating procedures for everything we do. But there's a reason for that. It works. And the business I'm in now with iFly Indoor Skydiving, we certainly have all that. Tell us a little bit about process. Yeah. And for iFly, you really have to have good processes, especially for safety, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Safety yeah. and the safety so and efficient operation. Processes are kind of like exit strategy. Business owners don't think about them until a catastrophic event occurs. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we need a process for that. Yeah. They think about processes when something bad in their company happens. So processes should really be designed from the beginning of starting your business, buying your business. And you really need to design the processes around the customer experience. Most business owners get this wrong. They design the process around their own agenda. We spoke about this before, Bob, where doctor's offices is a perfect example <laughs> of this. Doctor's hours are what time? Yeah, Monday, nine to five. Yeah. Monday through Friday, nine to five. When do we all work? Yeah, exactly. Monday, Monday through Friday, 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 nine to five. My husband and I own clinics, multidisciplinary clinics. And so we have evening hours and Saturday hours because we're designing our processes around our customer experience. Sure. Most business owners get this wrong. I encourage you to watch the movie, The Founder. Have you watched that movie yet? Uh, you know what? So uh, we, I, I saw it when it came out in 2016. My yeah. wife and kids reminded me of that when I wanted to put it on the night before last. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because you forgot that you watched it. I forgot it, but they didn't. They're like, oh, dad, yeah, that was, uh, it was pretty good. <laughs> you kind of remember it now? Yeah, oh, I, should, I do. The thing about it is, the thing about it I wasn't crazy about, I don't know if it's true or not, but they did not paint Ray Kroc in a good light. They did not pay him in a good light, I guess. But here's the bottom line. If it wasn't for Ray Kroc, this business would have never been built up to what it is. And for nobody sure. would know about McDonald's, right? For sure. Yeah. Now, some will say Ray Kroc stole McDonald's away from the McDonald brothers. Right. That's what the movie portrays. And I've heard that that's true. And, you know, regardless, so they didn't want to innovate. See, those two brothers, McDonald yeah. brothers, didn't want to innovate. They wanted to quality control everything and they didn't really want to innovate and they didn't really want to grow. Whereas Ray Kroc was making all these decisions and everything else and he could never get anything done because they didn't want to innovate. But bottom line, back in 1950, 
um, the McDonald brothers said, we want to design a fast food restaurant because there wasn't any. And we want to design a fast food system around our customer experience. What do we want our customers to experience? And so they said, come up with three things. McDonald brothers said, we want our customers to experience great tasting food that's hot and fast. 30 seconds or less. Well, guess what? Even though those processes were written back in the 1950s and tweaked along the way, you can eat at a McDonald's anywhere in the world and get that experience, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It's good tasting food, especially the French fries. I love the French fries. <laughs> it's hot. I've never, I've never received cold food from McDonald's and it's fast. Uh-huh. 30 seconds or less. They never said you're going to get good customer service. They never said the good food is going to be good for you. Right. You really got to go back and ask yourself three things that you want your customers to experience. Because if you don't create wow experiences for your clients, then somebody else is going to do it for you and take your market share. What's our fourth P? Our fourth P. Well, one thing I want to say about processes. Okay. You got to make sure to design with the customer experience in mind, productive, efficient, and well-documented. Because this is where most people get it wrong too, Bob. They don't have your military background. They don't have SOP checklists per department. They don't have those policy and procedure manuals. We're selling a $60 million company right now. And they have 350 employees, but they lack in policy and procedure manuals. Wow. That is, that is, I I just find that so surprising. Happens every day. You find it surprising because of your background. Yeah. But I'm here to tell you that most companies do not have their policy and procedures buttoned up. Yeah. You know, I read that in your book. I said right down to the employee handbook and just really surprising that so many companies don't have that. All right. So the fourth P, proprietary. So proprietary is the number one value driver. Proprietary can get you a higher multiple on the sell of your company than anything else. What's an example me, of, uh, of a proprietary? Well, I'm going to tell you all about proprietary because there's six pillars to it. And I want to, I want to say it all so your listeners can hear it. Okay, good. All right. But so proprietary, number one, the more well-branded you are, the more I can sell your company for, as long as your brand is relevant in the mind of the consumer. Meaning, is anybody going to pay any money for Blockbuster? Okay. No, they're not. Uh-huh. The, the biggest brand in the world is, do you know? The biggest brand in the world, probably mm-hmm. Apple. Apple. Yeah. More $359 billion. That's wow. just for the brand. That's not assets, inventory, or anything else. That's just the brand. Wow. Then trademarks are big. But you got, but the biggest mistake the business owners make with trademarks is they'll think of a name, they'll go to GoDaddy and they're like, yes, I got the dot com. Then they'll go get their state trademark, but they never check the federal database. Uh-huh. You have to check the federal federal database. Very, very, very important. Okay, so get a trademark in your company name, your slogans, your logo, your products. Most business owners forget to trademark their products. We have a client whose business we're selling for about $50 million. They have 12 different federal trademarks. Each trademark has exclusivity to retail chain stores. One's in Walmart, one's in Target. Patents are big. If you've ever watched Shark Tank, every single shark always asks every single inventor, do you have a patent on that? Do you have a patent pending? Okay, okay, so patents are huge. Uh-huh. Also, contracts, manufacturing contracts, vendor contracts, distribution contracts, anytime exclusive contracts, franchise sure. owners, they have franchisees. Client contracts are extremely valuable, but most business owners forget to add that two sentence transferability clause saying this contract is transferable upon the new entity. Yeah, they call that novation in government contracts. Yep. And 98% of all sales are asset sales. So, if you don't have a stock, if you're not, if your buyer's not going to, going to do a stock sell 
and your clients won't sign a consent to transfer, then your deal is going to fall apart. You need that two-sided transferability. And let me tell you how big a mistake it is that business owners make. I've never seen a business owner actually have it. <laughs> oh, wow, that's pretty big. <laughs> really big. Databases are big. I mean, you could be losing money in your company and still sell your business for a lot of money because databases are worth a lot of money to uh, big companies. Look at Facebook. They paid $19 billion for WhatsApp and WhatsApp was hemorrhaging. Celebrity endorsements, radio personalities, um, content, all of this IP is worth a lot of money and get you a much higher multiple. Real on quick, a when, it, when it comes to databases, uh, is 100,000 emails in a database, does that have value or is, does, that, does it need to that be a million? It has value, but Facebook paid $19 billion for WhatsApp because WhatsApp had a billion users. Wow. Yeah, and WhatsApp was hemorrhaging money. Now, it depends upon who those 100,000 are, how recent, you know, how often they're nourished, uh-huh. Um, you know, are they, are they cold? Are they warm? Yeah. Do they, see, kinda, do they see you monthly, et cetera? Can they be retargeted? Can they be, can they be retargeted? Can they be sold something else? You know, all of those questions come in to effect when you're looking at evaluating databases. And here's another tip to give you all your IP, make sure you, you put it in a separate corporation. Don't keep it in your main corporation, because if you get sued, you know, you don't want to lose your IP. Number one, number two, a good way to build up your database because clients come to me all the time and say, well, Michelle, you know, I got a million followers on Instagram. I said, you don't got nothing. <laughs> Just because you got a million people following on Instagram. You don't own those people. They're yeah. not in your database. Set up a funnel on Instagram, collect those names and numbers and get them in your database. Yeah, that's a good yeah. idea. Sometimes when you look at different, when you apply to different show, like, like this show, Elevate Your Leadership, for example, they'll ask questions about you know, how many social media followers followers do you have on all the various social medias? I never really cared about that, but apparently that's important to somebody somewhere. Well, that's important to a lot of people because they want to know how many people they're going to be in front of. But sure. if you really want to build up your database, the best way to do that is to add funnels to your social media pages. Okay. Okay. So before we get on to number five and number six, we're going to take a quick break for capitalism. You and I are both good capitalists and we fully support uh, our market. And with that, we're going to pause for a commercial break and we'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. And we are back with Michelle Seiler Tucker talking about her six P's in order to exit rich, how to sell your business. We've talked about people. We've talked about product. We've talked about process. And we talked about proprietary information. Awesome stuff so far, Michelle. What's number five? Number five is Patreons. This is your customer base. Most businesses operate on 80-20. 80% of their revenues comes from 20% of their clients. They have customer concentration versus customer diversification. And customer concentration can be a big issue. We, you know, we were once selling a media company that had five clients, <laughs> but they catered to casinos and we're selling them between 10 to $15 million. It, during the sales process, they lost two of the five. Revenues dropped, dropped in half and the cash flow dropped in half. Then we're no longer sellable. 
So you want to make sure you have customer diversification. Now I'm, I'm here to tell you that most businesses do not have customer diversification. Even this business that we're selling for $60 million has 70% of the revenue tied up with one customer. So you really want to make sure you have customer diversification. Also, if you've been in business, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, you got to look at your customer base because a lot of your clients are aging out. Sure. And that means you're going to have to pivot and you're going to have to change and innovate not just maybe your products, but you're also going to have to innovate the way you do marketing because the way that baby boomers buy is not the way that millennials and Gen Z's buy. Yeah. You know, you just used the two words that were on the tip of my tongue right there. Baby boomers have largely left the market and have largely been replaced by millennials. And they have very different wants and needs, both as a consumer and as, uh, as the workforce, as employees in the workforce. It's very interesting that they put culture and values. They put a high priority on culture and values in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And again, from a leadership perspective, when leaders know that they can attract and retain talent by really building high culture organizations. Yeah. Agree a thousand percent. So last P the most important P to most entrepreneurs is profits. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And the reason I put, everybody's like, Michelle, why do you put profits last? It should be first. And I'm like, no, because lack of profits is never the problem. It's the symptom of Yes. Not operating on one of the other five P's. I have clients that come to me all the time and say, Michelle, I have a profit problem. I'm like, no, you have a people problem. No, you have a leadership problem. Now you have a process issue. You know, if you're running on all five cylinders, you're going to be profitable. You can't help but be profitable. (laughs) Totally agree. Totally agree. I'm, I'm eight years into my business. And again, it's as if your, your book was written based on my experience in the private sector. So profitability, without a doubt. I mean, that's why we're in business to begin with. Um, some of the other things that I noted in your book that I, I, I really wanted to dig into, you gave an example of, a, I think, a manufacturing company, and you said a, a private equity group, a PEG, a PEG, would be looking, if they're looking at manufacturing, they're looking for uh, top line gross revenue, I think you said 15 to 20 million or something like that. And they're looking for an EBITDA of one to two million. EBITDA within within the transaction of a business, ten percent or so, ten to fifteen percent. Is that kind of an acceptable range for for pegs, private equity groups? Yeah, I mean, it depends upon the industry, right? Because every industry has our average profit margin, so it really depends upon what that industry is. But I will tell you, uh, most private equity groups they buy two ways: they buy based on platforms and add-ons. They won't even consider your business unless it has at least $3 million in EBITDA for a platform. Okay. And okay. up. And if they do, most pegs won't consider a business at one to two million in EBITDA unless they're just unless it's a brand new private equity firm and they're trying to get their feet in the water and try to build a platform. Uh, okay. most pegs won't consider something under three. But okay. again, they're they're not so much gross revenues focused or EBITDA focused. Sure. And for our listeners out there who are fairly new to business terms in the business world, EBITDA stands for earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Very good. Very good. (laughs) And we really look at adjusted EBITDA because adjusted EBITDA means that we're adding more back than just um, depreciation, amortization, and interest. We're adding back any personal expenses and non-reoccurring for the business. Okay. You know, you talked about some other things other than EBITDA, and, and we went over a lot of those in your, in your six Ps. Is real estate transacted separately? Let's say, you know, somebody uses the multiple four to six times EBITDA. Is real estate then 
valued in addition to that or separate from that? Let's say the company so, owns the, the business owns the real estate rather than leases. So it depends. If that real estate is, is absolutely needed for that business to operate, then buyers are going to look at it as part of the business and include it in that asking price, meaning that if they say, okay, I'm going to pay you five times EBITDA, that's going to include what you need for ongoing concern to operate this business the way it's been operating. It's not going to be five times earnings plus the real estate plus, plus, plus. Now, if the business is not, is not a necessity to operate in that location and can be relocated, but it's a great location, a Burger King could go in there, McDonald's could go in there, something like that then they might pay extra for the real estate. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. I got you. So then and then there... it depends on who the buyers are. I mean, some buyers are going to say, I'm not going to pay more for inventory. I'm not going to pay more for real estate because that's all part of the going concern. It's all part of your business that throw off the revenue, that throw okay. off the EBITDA. So uh, you also talked about, when we talk about systems, we talk about proprietary. You mentioned that it's easier. I should have I should have raised this point back when you were talking about processes, but it's easier to manage a system than it is to manage a personality. And uh, I just thought that was very insightful, very true, by the way. And and that's kind of the difference and the age old argument between leadership versus management. Right? Management is you manage budgets and you manage processes and you manage things that have already kind of been figured out. And then leadership is managing people. People mm -hmm. want to be led. They don't want to be managed. Mm -hmm. So again, some insightful leadership notes in your book there. You also talked a little bit about maybe it's time to develop a franchise model or become part of a franchise model. Uh, can you just share some of your franchising experience, generally speaking? Sure. So I have a tremendous amount of experience in franchising. Um, before I got into m and I had a franchise business where I did franchise consulting, franchise sales, franchise development. And a lot of business owners really have to make the decision, you know, do they want to sell? Because some, you know, some entrepreneurs get what I call that seven-year itch <laughs> where they're ready to go Guilty on. Guilty as charged. Okay. <laughs> but they want to go off and do something else. But instead of saying, oh, you know, instead of thinking the grass is greener on the other side, if you really got a good business and, but you've lost interest, maybe it's time for you to franchise that business, right? If you have a good business you know, maybe you franchise it and that gives you, that re-energizes you and gives you a whole new set of challenges For sure. to franchise. And it, it might be a, a great, a great concept to franchise if it's something unique. So we talk about that, you know, as far as really determining, do you want to exit that business or do you want to grow that business and how can you grow that business using other people's money? Okay. You know, it's interesting because my business, I fly Virginia beach indoor skydiving is a franchise Elevate Your Leadership, which I is, is my consulting business, which I created completely separate, is kind of the solopreneur, right? It's the one-man show, even though I use my iFly team to help me with things. It's, uh, it's kind of a good place to be. And, and I said guilty of the seven-year itch, but it's not like I, I want to sell and go do something else. I just want to expand the very cool things that we're doing with both, both iFly and with Elevate Your Leadership. You know, Elevate Your Leadership has turned into this very fun experience. It's, it's the reason you and I are having this discussion today, right? Because right. I want to share all the aspects of leadership and all the great lessons to be learned. And with leadership, leadership and business are almost synonymous. You know, those, those two words in the private sector anyway, pretty much have to go together. You need one 
to enable the other one to succeed. So I'm having fun in that regard. We're going to wind it down a little bit. We're getting close to the end of drive time and workout time, about 40 minutes. And we want to make sure uh, our listeners are fully engaged right to the end. Can you tell people, Michelle, how they can get a hold of you? And, and you know, what does an, an initial interaction with Michelle look like and feel like? They can contact me at SylerTucker.com. SylerTucker.com is our main website. All of our contact information, including our phone numbers, are there at the top of the website. What does an interaction feel like? (laughs) You know, I think it feels I think it feels peace of mind because we really do put business owners at ease. Um, We are extremely confidential, so they have peace of mind because whatever they say to us, I mean, most business owners are concerned about breach of confidentiality because they don't want employees, customers, anyone knowing that they're thinking about selling their company. So they really get peace of mind from us. They get a tremendous amount of experience from us and confidence, you know, that that they are with the right M&A firm. And we tell them the truth, you know, if they want $10 million for their business and it's not worth $10 million, we're going to tell you it's not worth $10 million when other business uh, M&A advisor would just put it on the market and try to sell it. We would never do that. So we're okay. going to be completely honest and complete integrity and ethics. And then also, can I tell them where to get the book? Oh, absolutely. The book is called Exit Rich. I don't want to steal your thunder, but I, I love the book so far. So please. Yeah. So Exit Rich was endorsed by Steve Forbes. And Steve Forbes says Exit Rich is a gold mine for entrepreneurs as they leave way too much money on the sale of their business. Sharon Lecter is my co-author who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki. Mm-hmm. And, and Bob, you've probably been noticing the uh, Mentor's Corner after yeah. each section. Exactly. And that's written by Sharon Lecter. So she's a CPA, financial literacy expert, and the advisor to many different presidents. And Kevin Harrington, the original Shark on Shark Tank, wrote the forward. So I just want everyone to know that Exit Rich is not about just selling your business. Exit Rich is all about building a sustainable business that you can scale. And so when you're ready, you will actually have a sellable asset because so many business owners get to the end of their their rope, so to speak, and they want to sell, but they don't have, they didn't build a business that somebody wants to buy. So the first half, you probably would agree with this, Bob, is really not about selling your business. It's all about mindset. It's all about planning your exit from the beginning. And it's all about building a solid infrastructure. The last half is about selling. Yeah, completely agree. And that first half really sets it up for, for the new business owner. The first right. half of that book in particular is critical to you because it tells you how to build a strong business like Michelle just said, that when it comes time to sell, which could be 10 or 20 or 30 years down the road, you're, you're ready. You're already ready. I, that all resonated. As I said, it's, 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 as, it's as if that book was written by examining my business and kind of you know how we went through our trials and tribulations. But we're very stable. Eight years in, we're, we're very stable for, for the reasons of the six Ps largely. And I did. And one thing I love about your book, Exit Rich, is you have the links in there to go to your website. And, and in my case, I took the health assessment. I, that's my words, not yours. But whatever that survey was, you can take to gauge the, the six P of- assessment. Yeah. The six P assessment. Yeah. yeah. So we have the six P's. We also have what type of business do you own? What type of business do you own? And on my website, salartucker.com, we have what type of business owner are you? Ah, so you I can take I'm that gonna, quiz too. <laughs> I'm going to have to check that out. I'm going to have to check that. Out. But all these things are great. You know, then the last thing, and, and I, I have to tell on myself right now, 
I'm halfway through writing my book. It's a book about leadership. Leadership is a perishable skill is likely going to be the title. Just the way your book is formatted, the way your book is written, the way it's, it's not difficult to read at all. The nuggets of gold are, they're obvious, you know, they're not hidden. You don't have to look for them. So I find it easy to read. I find it just so applicable to where I am in my business life cycle right now. And it kind of excites me and energizes me, motivates me for what's coming down. The road. I, I chuckled when you said that the golden nuggets are there and you don't have to go look for them because I was reading a book and it's, it's, it's about selling your business, but it wasn't written by an, by an mergers and acquisitions advisor. It was written by a financial advisor trying to get clients whose money they can spend <laughs> or invest. And each chapter, because each one of my chapters are called Golden Nugget, their, cho- their chapter was, what was it? Secret. Secret number one, secret number two. And I'm like, well, it's not a secret because you're telling it. Why yeah, would right, you say it's right. a secret? Anyway, <laughs> so Exit Rich, let's tell your listeners where they can get Exit Rich. If you live outside the United States, I encourage you to go to Amazon because the shipping cost is so expensive from the United States. So just go to Amazon in your country. That's the best way to order the book. If you're inside the United States, you can go to Amazon. But I encourage you to go to ExitRichBook.com because that's where all the bonuses are. So at ExitRichBook.com for $24.79, we will ship the hard, that well, we, we will email you the digital download. Then we'll ship the hardcover to your doorstep. We will give you a lifetime membership into Exit Rich Book, where we have video content of doing deep dives and different techniques and strategies that we've been talking about here today, plus documents, documents to operate your business, documents to sell your company. So like sample employee handbooks, org charts to sell your business. We have sample letter of intents, purchase agreements, due diligence checklists, closing documents, all the documents you need to operate and sell your business are there for your review and your download. And Bob, these documents will cost you over $50,000 if you try to recreate. I know because I've spent the money with attorneys. But I've probably spent more than that actually over the years. But, um, <laughs> but yes, I'm agree. That That is tremendous value. Again, to the aspiring business owner or to the, to the new business owner, these tools are of tremendous value. And if you don't believe what you're hearing now, you're going to realize this over time and you're going to come back to this and say, what was that again? Because that, <laughs> that's just how crucial this is to building a successful and thriving business. Michelle, this has been awesome. Last thing to do is get you to an iFly. Uh, Virginia Beach would be the best one to come to, but you go to Houston a lot. So when you go to Houston next time, please let me know. And we're going to get you in there to fly as my guest. Sugarland, I think we said, right? That's right. There's one right yeah. there. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. It was Thank a pleasure you, being with you. What a great discussion. We'll, we'll see you. you later. Thank you for listening to the Elevate Your Leadership podcast. To contact Bob directly or to learn more about how Bob can advance you and your organization through leadership training, team building, executive coaching, and public speaking, visit robertpizzini.com. Robert P-I-Z-Z-I-N-I dot com and connect with him on LinkedIn.